What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 9 DFS MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my trusty co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Daigle, what's up, buddy? How are you? Another good week. Another week where we have chalk to talk about. Uh, seems to be a recurring theme. The overall winning lineups changed. Last week, for instance, was Garrett Wilson and or Tyler Conklin. And as the contrarian pieces around the chalk, but the overarching thing really seems to be just play the chalk. Everyone's been sucking up 60% Tony Pollard, 65% Josh Jacobs every week. And then just figuring out what unique player is best to tag along with them. Um, I know you also had another interesting note from your GPP review article on last week's Millie Maker winner lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, it, in general, we it was the, the second highest um, cumulative ownership um, that, that we've seen. I, I think that no matter what, like it, the, the chalk's not going to keep hitting as consistently as it is. So, I, I mean, I, I think we still need to be thinking about, um, you know, we don't want to just be lazy and say the chalk's hitting. There's nothing I could do about it. Um, you mentioned the Jets pieces and looking for spots, not just low owned plays, but we're still looking for like, like we saw the same team correlation last week. It, it wasn't just a complete blind spot. It was a spot that we talked about uh, on the props part of the show that we liked kind of targeting Jets passing game overs. So it wasn't something that we couldn't see coming a little bit. Obviously uh, we didn't hit it perfectly in the, um, in the notes that in, in the lineups that we played, but was there another um, note that I missed um, that maybe I'm forgetting about? That's that's the one you had tweeted. I would also say that one, it seems like quarterback has been, I don't want to say easiest because I haven't picked the right one, but it's been fairly easy to know and see which one is going to take down tournaments with every week. Uh, and then of course the double stacks you bring along with that quarterback have been super important. And also, the fact that this year in particular, I need to dive in more, but the chalk has been the chalk on DraftKings in particular because there's something going on with the salaries. Uh, my, my joking analysis is that uh, Kalish is worrying too much about Rainmakers, which we have content <laughs> for on the site, by the way, and thus that's why DJ Moore keeps being egregiously left at 5,800. And Ken Walker, who's a boomer bus player, but 6,200. Um, but there is honestly something going on with the DraftKings pricing, which is why like the chalk is being played more, in my opinion, because like it's it's not being priced correctly this year on DraftKings. Yeah, I, I think um, that if we look at a slate like this um, with only 10 teams, it's a it's a short slate. We only have 10 games. We're gonna have when we have these smaller slates, the chalk is gonna get condensed more on. Um, on players that maybe not uh, are as as um, as good of chalk plays, and the shorter the slate, the higher the variance. So I, I think we could see that uh, bounce back a little bit. Obviously, the last two weeks has been crazy, especially on, on DraftKings with how hard the chalk has been hitting. But I mean, I, I also do think that one the, these things tend to even out. Two, if we really look at the 2021 season compared to the two or even three seasons before that leading up to the last before the last couple of weeks 
it had have kind of been in line with how often the chalk hits or doesn't hit. Like 2021 was a very unique season in terms of how contrarian winning lineups were. Um, so these things t- tend to swing back and forth uh, in, in all kinds of different sample sizes. I think by the end of the year, we'll look back at this little stretch and, and say, yeah, things did normalize a little bit. And, and I think, again, I mean, we still have to think about the theory of when we're playing chalk, right? If you, if you are making these lineups with four or five guys that are over 20%, it's still a lot harder to separate from the field, right? So we're still thinking about this thing, these thing in terms of when we do win, what do we win? And when we have these weeks where obviously you see, you know, they still need to get a lot of things right, but when the chalk misses, it's going to be way easier to separate when you're right. It's really hard to separate when you're right with everybody else. And I know we've had a couple subs. This is a big week for us, by the way, TJ. we got to be on our game because that Halloween sale kicked a lot of people into the Discord and to these shows. Um, so it's a big week for us. But I, I did have some people reach out or mention in our Discord chat that uh, right now they're not winning players. But also, like right now, I, myself, and a lot of people around the industry um, you know, pro tournament players are not winning players because the way we win tournaments is has not won tournaments. I'm not going to say it's not going to win tournaments, but since the chalk is hitting, that's when we usually don't win. So, yeah, a lot of people right now are not winning players. A lot of people who do this, you know, much better than you and I for a living, and that's just how the season has gone so far, and it's been predictable given what's happened. So. Um, you know, we still keep fighting. You have to understand what, how we're playing and what we're playing for. And so, like, it's not going to be consistent. If you're playing cash games, I think it's been a really good season for that, honestly. Uh, it, because the chalk has named itself. Like, they're literally just yelling who to play every single week. Uh, but that's not what I play, for better or worse. But I also understand the mental swings and the, the bankroll swings, and it's okay because I understand what I'm getting into. So you just have to understand it. Also, I've reached out to those people in our Discord, which, you know, if someone's listening to this who's also in the Discord, who I haven't personally chatted to, I will also chat with you. We will get you on track on the right sort of plays you need to be playing or the right sort of games you should be playing. And uh, then we will go from there. Yeah, if you uh, are a new sub or if you're listening to this and, and thinking about signing up or even just want to access any of our free content on the site, under our DFS Strategy Hub, we have a ton of content that covers things just beyond making a lineup. Um, how often to play cash games, how you could do different mixes of games where you're hopefully you know maximizing your downside, uh, minimizing your downside, maximizing your upside, or, or just looking for a, a little more steady return. Um you and I tend to be a little more aggressive on, on what percentage uh, of money we have in tournament play. So you're going to have some bigger swings with that. So go into the strategy hub, um, check that out. And I mean, DFS, just the nature of the game as it evolves, um, you know, people get better. Um, the swings get higher. That doesn't mean it's not beatable, but this is a very high variance game. And we are um, just experiencing a, a trend or, or variance that hasn't necessarily been benefiting us, but, um, but each week is different and, and we have to make sure that we are being aware of that past um past trends does not each or equal future results or future trends so i mean this week um a very condensed slate with only 10 games only two games in the late window probably not a lot of late swapping ability so we're gonna have to be going into the week really uh having a really good idea of what can or um maybe can't swing slates so every week we've been starting 
with our what we're calling the decision point, the one thing that we're really looking at this week. It's a crazy running back slate. Again, there's only 10, 10 teams um, on the slate, so not a ton of options, but the, the options on uh, the slate look look pretty intriguing. So what is your what is the big thing you're looking at this week? We've talked about the chalk hitting, and I'm just going to go ahead and lay out for everyone the exact order I believe I'm playing the chalk. Uh, I think, first off, do you think Aaron Jones will be one of the highest three or four running backs rostered? Because I may have that gauge off. Uh, I thought he would be, but since we got late Deion Jackson news down the stretch, maybe not. Yeah, the I mean, again, the, the tough part about this is it, if you understand ownership and you know ownership is essentially a math problem, all of these guys are going to we're going to have probably seven or eight guys that are at or above 20% because there just aren't as many running back options on the slate. Um, I, I think if one of the new uh, values creeps up out of Deontay or Dion, it's probably Dion because he's in such a different salary range than uh, Deontay. Deontay is kind of closer to the other guys that we were already expecting to be popular. That goes for both sites. So I would guess it's, it's Dion that creeps up. I still think out of all of the plays, what, what I have really seen, with ownership and ownership has been pretty hard to project this year too, which has been a struggle, but um, early week bias will still creep into ownership even on Sunday. So I think out of all of the plays, ETN will still end up being the most popular. I still have to run the on run ownership tomorrow after John Paulson's final sweep with our final or not final, but our, our updated projections on Saturday. Um, and that's usually our most accurate. But as of now, I would say that ETN ends up the most popular and then we get this chunk of five or six guys that are really, really close together. And we could see some variance in ownership too. I, I think probably Dion and Aaron Jones get steamed the most out of the group after ETN. Okay. Well then let's go ahead and remove Aaron Jones. And I will say I'll rank them. ETN or Mondre, 1A, 1B. Ramondre, of course, season high, 85% of the team's backfield touches. The, la the last time Damian Harris missed, also the last two weeks with Harris in the lineup. Uh, you know, Ramondre was already in play because he has 15 catches the past two games. And now we have no Damian Harris. So it's like, yeah, okay, suck it up with uh, Bill Belichick against Sam Ellinger, and we'll just ride it to the end. And then I'll rank Deontay Foreman after that. Of course, last week was the first game that Chuba Hubbard did not play at all, and Deontay Foreman had 26 touches, 76 percent percent of the team's backfield touches. Next closest was Spencer Brown with six touches. Also, quietly, uh, no DJ Reader back in this game, and the Bengals are allowing 5.6 yards per carry without Reader on the field. So another big week, every touch back performance for Deontay Foreman. And then what I'll try to do here is actually talk people off of Deion Jackson. Now you can use Deion Jackson on Vandal. Uh, 5K. Not every day we get that salary for that kind of this kind of opportunity. So I understand playing him, but at the same time, this is a completely different offense and situation than the last time we saw him, uh, when he had 22 touches, 10 targets, and finished as tied as the overall RB one on the week. What we saw in Sam Ellinger's first start. First off, this team, per established runs, Pat Thorman didn't run a single no huddle play whereas they were leading the league in no huddle the past three games for Matt Ryan in a sped-up offense. Average 70 plays in that three-week stretch. Last week, back to just 54 plays, a slow offense. So we have to take that into account when thinking about Deion Jackson. Also, Sam Ellinger targeted this backfield on just 12.9% of his pass attempts, whereas Matt Ryan was tops in the league, round tops in the league, with 25% rate towards running backs. So it's genuinely 
an entirely different world for Deion Jackson, although we still think he'll lead the backfield in touches. So I do want to say, I, I think we can, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, we can easily fade Deion Jackson on DraftKings at least. It's. I, I think it's going to come down to, at least in, in, in uh, tournaments, it'll come down to uh, what his ownership projection looks like. I think probably with so many running back values, if it looks like he's going to be the number two most popular play, I think it's it's going to be, I don't want to say super easy, but it will be a, kind of easy to fade him, especially if Ramondre ends up um, less popular on the other side because it's not a week where, uh, like his salary isn't so crazy low that it's just changing the slate already because it was already a slate where um, unless you're playing Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs stacks, you have a lot of maneuverability in your salaries. So I do think it is a week where it would it will make sense to to have be underweight or fade the the cheapest running back value because we have a lot of um flexibility already in our builds and i i do agree with you that with as i mentioned eight eight ish running backs that are going to project for 20 plus percent ownership it is going to come down to making the correct decision there and i think we're going to have to be careful because we've talked you know about the chalk hitting so hard in uh, the last couple of weeks it's it's gonna even though it's gonna feel like you're playing heavy chalk it's a week where because it is a short slate, because all these running backs are going to be so popular, I think it's going to be okay to play two of those guys together. I'm not saying I'm necessarily going to do that in all my lines, but I think it's fine. Um, in cash game, in cash games, I think the only lock for me right now is ETN, and then it's it's going to be there's a lot of decisions to make between now and Sunday. I absolutely do not mind playing them both together or two of the popular ones together because the quarterback slate, in my opinion, is very much spread out. And that then makes it naturally contrarian to tag along your double stacks. Uh, like right now, we and a lot of different models have Justin Herbert projected with the most. I have many, many questions about that Chargers offense given the injury. So uh, I, I think it's going to be quite spread out this week. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the only other big decision point for me this week is going to be, at least in tournaments, is it's basically, is it Josh Allen or not? Just because he is such a... Um, the, the team total and his projection is is clearly higher than the field, but it's it's not so much higher that I think it's one of those slam dunk Josh Allen weeks. I think it's a really, really good week, at least in tournaments, to, where you can get, again, only 10 games. So if one game goes off, I think you could get really funky with your stacks this week. And if Josh Allen doesn't go nuclear, um, you, you can you can get there with some weird stacks. We, we should, I should probably save this one for the Discord, but also <laughs> if... If Naeem Hines, who's only been reported as being used on punt returns right now, yeah. right? And we saw the two running backs traded so far to play in their first game with a new playbook. James Robson, 22% snaps. Christian McCaffrey, 28% snaps. Like, if we don't think Naeem Hines is up to speed, yeah. Devin Singletary's right there on FanDuel, uh, right next to Deion Jackson, too. It's like, okay, uh, this may be the final week to sneak him in here. Yeah, I, I did uh, a podcast this morning with Osmo, aka now known as Stochastic, and yeah. told uh, told them that that is probably the one thing I'm watching the most. If we get a pretty clear signal that Naheem Hines is going to play, like you said, say 20% of snaps, um, I think Singletary is probably the play of the week. As we've been doing every single week, uh, giving you guys multiple options, not just playing on FanDuel and DraftKings. One spot we've been really successful this year, both in the DFS and the betting side of things, has been with the props. Uh, one of those prop sites we've been able to attack 
has been underdog. So every week on here, we have been building a underdog card somewhere um, between between three or four picks. So we'll go through that today. Uh, as always, we will um, look at my account and try to check out some of the underdog projections versus the four for four projections. Uh, I, I have a couple that I'm interested in, but does anything stand out to you um, off the top today? Feel free to go ahead and get us started. Okay. Um, one spot that I really like all around is the uh, the Vikings. I think that is a spot in DFS where I wrote up um, uh, Dalvin Cook for DFS, but I also talked about on uh, Joe Holko's podcast. I think it's a spot where we could mini stack this game because even though I like Dalvin as a contrarian DFS play, Washington is a pass funnel. This is an offense that even though they're a six and one team, I think they're getting things. Uh, they're they're really clicking now. Uh, Justin Jefferson uh, is going to continue just to be a, a consistent beast on this team. His over-under receiving yards is high-ish, 90.5, but we haven't projected at 114. And I think if you're looking for correlated plays, whether it's on underdog or on uh, on a, another DFS site, I think correlating Vikings plays is a uh, really uh, positive EV play this week. Do you have any lean on the Vikings or on Justin Jefferson? That and the Panthers Bengals game I'm watching closely their team totals throughout the week or the weekend before the Sunday morning discord chat because those are the two skinny stacks I kind of want to be on as well uh okay, maybe cool. Dolphins Bears I I somewhat worry about the Bears pushing back but Dolphins Bears as well so yes I agree I came into the week thinking oh like Justin Jefferson and Terry McLaurin is an amazing skinny stack opportunity we we have a pretty decent projection on Terry McLaurin especially uh it looks like he's been popping a little bit more with Heineke we have him at 78 yards I believe on on underdog it's at 60 something let me find it here at 67 so it's not uh it's a little bit higher than some other sites so it's only 11 yards higher so we're not getting a lot of value on it are you okay going over on it or is there anything else you like that you see here on the washington side they have heineke what? for 233 and curtis samuel for 49 and a half I do like Curtis Samuel, but that's really not his receiving yards. Um, he has yeah. nine carries the past two games mm -hmm. with Taylor yeah. Heineke under center. What is Tyreek Hill at? Because we have Tyreek Hill. And mind you, like projection. Paulson, Paulson is usually good at medium projections. He has Tyreek Hill projected for 117 receiving yards. Yeah, he's down at 87 and a half. So we're super bullish on Hill. I say we go over. Uh, I mean, okay. how it's totally fine. Again, I, I, I've been kind of looking at that. It's like, who can I bring back if I sneak in Tyreek and Waddle this week? Because I don't think the Bears offer any pushback. That's that's my only concern here is that uh, it would be uh, just uh, only in the Dolphins' favor. Yeah, um, it, it's tough to, like, even, even with Herbert's uh, big fantasy games the last few weeks, um, It's it's been... Uh, quite a bit of rushing, but we're not getting a lot of rushing on his value. Eight and a half rushing tips is a lot. 50 rushing yards is a lot to expect. Uh, I, I think the numbers are pretty sharp on him, and they're going to have a very uh, non-centralized office, office now. We already have um, a, a bit of a back and forth in the backfield um, with Montgomery and Herbert, and now it sounds like Claypool is definitely going to be playing, so who knows how much he cuts into Mooney there. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately with with Jefferson and Hill, 
not a lot of correlation that we can lean into. There's not a lot of value on the other side of those games. We could still pick one more though. Um, yeah, absolutely. We can go, let's see what else we have here. We don't want to add. What about producer Sal is mentioning what is PJ Walker's over in receiving yards? Uh, we do have a large number projected for him as well. If he's sitting under 190. Okay. Do you think PJ Walker is good for over 187? We have him projected at 231. It's roughly a 40, 43 yard difference we have. Yeah, they're going to be in a, I believe they're seven point underdogs. They should be in a pass heavy game script. Uh, obviously, no, they, no, Chidobe Awuzie. Yep, no, uh, Awuzie. No, Mike Hilton. Their safety, their rookie safety, Dax Hill, they were actually playing at cornerback at practice today because they're going to have to give him uh, nickel reps. Yeah, and I have a little more to say about this game later in the podcast, so let's go. Um, three okay uncorrelated that. plays. Unless you have a fourth <laughs> one, you want to add. Unless you have a fourth one, you want to add. I think we've. I think we may have lost the last two ones. So no, screw it. Just go. Like we got to get back on track. Uncorrelated may be the way to go here. Yeah, uncorrelated, but we're trusting four for four projections heavily. Um, so if you guys missed, if if you guys uh, are watching this later, I will post this card on. Uh, on my Twitter, hopefully it is still up when uh, the, the all the lines are still up when uh, you guys see it. If you haven't signed up for Underdog yet, go to 444.com slash Underdog. Use a promo code 444 when you sign up for a new account and get a free 444 DFS subscription plus a 100% deposit uh, match up to $100. That one is for producer Sal, and hopefully he brings us some good luck to get back on the right track. But let's get into why you guys are definitely here for this podcast, and that is the DFS Plays of the Week, starting at quarterback. As always, touched on this game a little bit. Uh, who's your quarterback this week? Given that it's an ugly week, I know a lot of people like Aaron Rodgers, um, who is not his ceiling yet, and I agree. Aaron Rodgers is an amazing play, but I kind of like sneaking in Trevor Lawrence this week, who is extremely cheap on DraftKings, just 5,200. But more importantly, every quarterback minus Andy Dalton last week because the Raiders laid down. I, I blame the flu that the Raiders literally didn't show up or cross midfield until the two-minute warning last week. But every quarterback prior to Andy Dalton had a top-eight finish against the Raiders on the year. They're an amazing defense to target. And where Trevor Lawrence has struggled in the red zone, he has the lowest EPA inside the 20, and the Jaguars have the ninth lowest touchdown percentage there. Uh, that's where the Raiders seed points. They are allowing the second highest touchdown rate from inside the red zone and overall the highest passing touchdown rate in the league. It's an amazing bounce back spot for Trevor Lawrence, uh, especially in an ugly quarterback week where we're honestly not scared of many, if any. So, yes, I, I do like paying down and getting that salary with Lawrence this week. Yeah, we're going to be quite heavy on this game. As you'll see throughout the podcast, the Raiders are one of the worst defenses in the league, including uh, ranked dead last in 4 for 4 schedule, just points allowed to quarterback. So Lawrence, obviously in a great spot um, against the Raiders defense, uh, has some weapons that you could definitely pair with him. But uh, I, I think in, in all formats, if you're not playing Josh Allen, that you're really not giving up um, a lot of expectation or even ceiling to any of the other quarterbacks on the slate, uh, especially against that defense. So I definitely like that call there. Uh, I, I'm going to you know, get off of the, the obvious Josh Allen play 
And this isn't necessarily a pay down option, but it is a guy that's kind of in a weird salary range because I think a lot of people are going to go up to Josh Allen or, or go down to some of these uh, at least not low price, but lower price quarterbacks. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, but Kyler Murray is kind of in a no man's land there. 8,200 on Fandle, 7,400 on DraftKings uh, against the Seahawks in a game with a 49 point over under. This is the only game on the slate where both teams are top 10 in neutral pace ever since DeAndre Hopkins has returned. Arizona is seventh in uh, overall passing rate and sixth in explosive passing rate, while Seattle's 22nd in explosive passing rate allowed. Murray has averaged 37 rushing yards per game this season. That's almost a passing touchdown worth of fantasy points. That's obviously a ton of value there. We have him projected as a top four quarterback value on both sides. Uh, on Fandle, where it's a little bit easier to, to pay up for those quarterbacks, he's a top two value. I love Kyler Murray um, in all formats. If you can't afford to get to Josh Allen, I think Murray makes him, uh, his legs make him cash viable. But I think the uh, Cardinals, and I think this game has a crazy ceiling this week. I am genuinely a little worried. Uh, I see Kyler projecting well, but I'm slightly down on this game because of Seattle's defense. Uh, Seattle's defense the last three weeks has been incredible against Kyler. Did play without DeAndre Hopkins the last time these two teams played. Um, Justin Herbert and Daniel Jones, but they're averaging five and a half sacks the last three weeks. Only allowed 15 points per game in that span. They're football outsiders' number one defensive DVOA in that stretch as well. Uh, we can definitely argue that three weeks is not a big enough sample size to worry about it too much. And Kyler, of course, has a ceiling. <laughs> but yeah, I came into this week a little bit down in this w game compared to expectations. If if we uh, get to and we actually won't know this until it's it's one of the uh, two late games on the slate. But if we uh, get to Sunday and we see ownership projections and it looks like Kyler is going to be like the seventh or eighth most popular quarterback on the slate instead of the third or fourth, would that change your sure. opinion? Yeah, I, I think there's yes, a chance that we could tumble to that. I think, I think odds are probably in his favor to fall to that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there's a, I think there's an argument to be made that if you play Kyler, you're, you're, I don't think you're playing without Newt considering how much target share he's been playing. But if you play Kyler with a, a double, you're going to get a, a pretty low three player combination with Kyler Nuke and then any other pass catcher you bring along with them. Uh, let's stay in this game and talk about a player that I like a lot. Actually, this is probably the guy that I end up playing. You talked about deciding on, on the chalky backs this week. This is probably the one I go to a lot. I think the last time these two teams played two, three weeks ago, uh, I had Kyler double stacks and Ken Walker as my run back. And it's a situation where I think it would work out much better if we chose to do it again. But now the past three games, Ken Walker, he is a bit of uh, boomer bust more than we wish because he only has five targets in that span. But the past three weeks, uh, he has 62 carries and 12 of them. And these three starts for Rashad Penny have gone for 10 plus yards. He's a walking explosive machine. And the Cardinals are the front seven that has allowed the league's second highest rate of 10 plus yards this year. So we think like we actually can maybe play Kyler double stacks with DeAndre and Rondo Moore and bring it back with Ken Walker because he can explode with the middle. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. 
Yeah, I, I like that call a lot. And one of the reasons I, I like stacking that game, and, and I think it makes sense for Walker as the ring back, is exactly like you said, b- because he is boom bust, if this game gets enough of a um, of a punch to really start taking off and the game gets sped up, even though it does, they're both pretty fast already, if it gets really sped up to like a nuclear level, um, one, of, one of the reasons is probably because Walker breaks one or, or a few of those long runs off, hopefully for, for touchdowns. So I, I like that uh, a lot. The boomer bust maybe takes him out of cash consideration, at least on DK, like boomer bust isn't that bad in FanDuel cash. Uh, but, but Walker and stacks, I like a lot. Completely agree. We, again, another one of the, the chalkier backs, but just attacking the, the Raiders defense, Travis ETN, 7,600 FanDuel, 6,300 on DraftKings in your write-up. You mentioned him as one of the most uh, underpriced players on both sites. You talked about the Raiders defense going against Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the Raiders are one of two teams ranked outside the top 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to every single position uh, over the last couple of weeks. ETN has seen 79% uh, snap share in both of the last two weeks went over 100 yards in both of those games. Uh, you mentioned his route participation near right up. He doesn't have a crazy high ceiling game yet as in terms of receiving, but the Raiders have allowed third most receptions to running back, second most receiving yards to running backs. We have ETN as a top five value on both sites, especially on DraftKings where he hasn't hit that reception ceiling yet. You talked about Lawrence. I really think that uh, he's definitely viable in cash. I think you can stack the Jaguars heavily. I think you can stack them with their a quarterback running back. I think you play ETN standalone because he can have so much value catching the ball. We already know he could break off long runs. Um, ETN is going to be the most popular player uh, at his position uh, unless Deion Jackson gets a lot of steam there. I think he has a high ceiling at his position this week. I think it's justified. Even after last week's letdown, the Raiders rank fourth in yards per drive and sixth in points per drive. Like their offense is not the issue here. So yes, yeah. we we expect there to be loads of pushback from both teams. I bet the over early in the week. It's been increased to 49. Um, I like this game a whole lot. And actually, like I don't know if it gets steamed much, to be honest, given all the other spots on this slate. I don't think the Raiders side will get steamed. It, it'll depend. We'll, we'll come back to this when we, when we and you uh, can play a couple of positions. I, I think it depends on if, if either of the wide receivers get any, like Zay Jones is kind of cheap on DraftKings, or there aren't a lot of pump plays, but I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's a, I'm going to have a hard time imagining people just going nuts on Jaguars players. And like Walker and the Cardinals, you can play Jacobs and Lawrence double stacks with ETN. I love fading Jacobs, though. It's so fun. That's okay, too. That's fun. <laughs> I mean, there's there so many running backs this week. It's not necessary to play them. Yeah. Another game that that is, should be somewhat popular, at least because they have um, a high team total uh, on a short slate, is the Packers game, specifically the Packers side. But you like another side of it for wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Uh, Monroe St. Brown. All he does is score fantasy points. It's, it's in his name. Um, we saw last year Hawkinson missed the final five games of the year. That's when Monroe St. Brown averaged 11 targets and eight catches. This year, he's only played three full games at health, but he's averaged 11 and a half targets and 31 and a half percent target share in those three games. And now Hawkins is not on the field, obviously, where you beat the Packers is the boundary. And Amon Arce Brown was already running a career high and increased 37% of his routes from the boundary this year without Hawkinson. So I would imagine it goes up. It increased last year from 19% to 27%. 
in those last five games without TJ as well. So yeah, I like I like Amon Rosen Brown quite a bit, whether it's skinny stack, run backs, however you play it, standalone if you want. Um, he's an amazing option this week. Uh, Hawk is a Viking now. We have reports uh, after practice today that Josh Reynolds is a legit question mark. They're already saying DeAndre Swift is not at full health. We already saw a small snap share from him uh, last week, and, and who knows what that could look like this week. So, uh, you know, arguably down three useful pass catchers. So uh, that target share, I mean, we might see a, we might see a 40% target share from St. Brown this week in a game where – People are thinking they could see some negative game script. I, I don't think they necessarily need it for St. Brown to go off, but um, I love that call a lot. I, I kind of like the Lions side in general. I think it's interesting, mm-hmm. uh, especially if Packers get really popular, which I, I think it's possible. Uh, all we, all we need do. is Packers to push back. I mean, and that's this is all that's happened with the Lions are at home and healthy, and it sounds like even DeAndre Swift may not be a full strength, but he's going to play. It may be limited, sure. but that, that's all it takes. Jared Goff. 11 of his 12 passing touchdowns this year have come at home. They're averaging 36 points per game at home compared to 10 on the road. Like they're not even a threat on the road, but like this is a scenario where this game goes nuclear. Yeah. In in the dome, um, definitely worth uh, noting all the time. We talked about this game briefly when we were uh, discussing our underdog props uh, and we took the PJ side of it but let's discuss the dj side of it dj moore seven thousand dollars fandle fifty eight hundred dollars draft king against cincinnati you mentioned the cornerbacks that are going to be out today in the wide receiver versus quarterback matchup mike waller of four for four mentioned how much of a target eli apple has been for wide receivers dj moore is going to get that uh matchup with eli apple and then other backup db so even better for us now if we are targeting dj moore who has 10 targets in two games without CMC, 36% target share in that two-week span is fourth among all players. Uh, You talked about his egregious misprice. He's the wide receiver, 14 on Fandle, all the way down at wide receiver 19 on DK. Like they don't, there's not even really a, an excuse for that adjustment. And usually uh, he's not priced high, but usually where we see the, we usually see it flipped where they're priced cheaper on Fandle relative to the field until you start getting like really down in the rankings. But uh, on this one, he's way cheaper on DK. So where he's, we're really benefiting from that target volume. He's just in a, a smash spot in any format, um, FanDuel, I mean, uh, cash games or tournaments. And I, I don't know if we end up getting, we've seen some high ownership on him the last couple of weeks. I think we probably get a little bit of an ownership discount on him despite the discount on salary. You can play him with Deontay Foreman as well. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to like, play both and Bengals receivers and which one I would choose, maybe both. I, I don't know. But yeah, this game is certainly interesting given all the injuries. Yeah, and we're going to have one player that is um, really – we didn't talk about Joe Mixon in the mix of uh, the running backs that we talked about could be chalky. I mean, Joe Mixon could end up being the the second most popular running back on the slate. So uh, some leverage there as well. Another game that we talked about in our underdog segment was the Vikings and the Commanders. We weren't getting value on underdog on Terry McLaurin, but we do still like him and we wanted to go over on him. So you want to talk about why – betting uh, on McLaurin having a good game is a smart thing to do? I think his 5,900 salary is a value on DraftKings, actually. Uh, Vikings have allowed the second most receiving yards per game to opposing receivers from the boundary, where McLaurin runs a majority of his snaps, and more importantly, the third highest rate of passes, 15-plus yards. 
Uh, McLaurin also the past two weeks from Heineke has a 25% target share compared to just a 15% target share in his first six games from Carson Wentz. So he's getting the volume and he's an amazing spot again. He's my favorite player to skinny stack with. I, I would like, I came into the week wanting to sell Antonio Gibson more, but given how the landscape of running backs have shaken out, I'm fine just playing uh, McLaurin only with any way we play the Vikings. Yeah, I uh, I, I talked about the Vikings a, a lot already this week on multiple shows. I, I think if I'm going to be on that, then naturally I, I should be open to, to bringing back McLaurin. McLaurin has just oh, yeah. looked, uh, he's, he's gotten unlocked with Tyler Heineke, which, uh, which is nice. So um, definitely some value there. The uh, a wide receiver core that is all of a sudden decimated, a, a team that's decimated uh, with injuries is the Chargers. Now with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out, we have Josh Palmer popping as a value on both sites at 6,200 on FanDuel and 5,100 on DraftKings. This game is tied for the highest over-under on the slate, 49.5. The Chargers favor, despite all those injuries, by three against an Atlanta defense that has struggled uh, in pretty much every aspect. Uh, the Chargers are fifth in passing rate over expectations, second neutral pace, the best pass blocking uh, line in terms of football outsiders adjusted sack rate. The Falcons are the worst pass rush line in the same metric. One of four defenses ranked outside the top 20 and schedule just points to every position, including last against wide receivers. The secondary has already struggled a ton, and they're going to be without starting cornerback A.J. Terrell, although he hasn't helped them uh, play well anyway. So I don't know how much that matters, but playing against a backup is still a very good thing. Uh, Chargers and Falcons games have both averaged over 50 total points per game. Only three other teams can make that claim. And then even with with um, without both of Allen and Mike Williams being out, We've seen Palmer have three games of eight plus targets in his last game. He played, he had 12 targets. He missed their last game before the bye. Um, and most of the chargers are popping in our fantasy point over expectation model. They're coming in under expectation. You mentioned this game has a very wide range of outcomes. Obviously with this many injuries, things can go South, but Palmer should be the clear wide receiver. One Atlanta's defense is atrocious. So at, at least in cash games, I think you should be very comfortable locking in Palmer. Um, you could obviously make the argument that they could just struggle because they have so many injuries. I don't even know if Justin Herbert is right with his rib injury yet, um, but Palmer is going to be the wide receiver one at a very affordable price this week. I wish we had, any amount of confidence in any of the Falcons options to run it back. That's what also makes this game so stupid. Uh, you know, maybe I even play Drake London on FanDuel because, you know, Kyle Pitts, everyone keeps citing the target share. The target share doesn't matter. It, it literally comes down to projecting <laughs> yeah. Marcus Mariota. Is he going to throw 28 pass attempts again? And how yeah. easy it is to run on the Chargers? Probably not because the Falcons could do what they want to do anyways. They're fourth in the league in rush attempts per game. So, yeah, I, I just don't know how to play this game. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, the tricky thing, too, is uh, CPAT eligible off IR. Oh, we might, might come uh, yeah, back. So it might be me. even more. It might be it might be really hard figuring out um, who gets the touches uh, now with if CPAT. I'm sneaking. Back. I'm definitely sneaking in CPAT if he plays. I've, I've already thought about that one. Uh, well, staying on this game, uh, talk about tight end on, on this uh, this one. Uh, you took my tight end, so I'm going to my only <laughs> other tight end because yeah. it's it's just a really bad week for tight end. Again, mm -hmm. I don't have any confidence in Kyle Pitts, so I don't want to talk about him. Um, I will go to Gerald Everett for basically all the reasons you mentioned. Everett also was 16 targets the last two games. Now the piece of the pie 
opens up even further given how many injuries they have. Uh, and the intermediate level of the field is where the Falcons have allowed the fourth highest completion rate, 10 to 19 yards out, where Everett sees most of his targets. So, yeah, I just think it's a great spot to either standalone option, Gerald Everett, you don't have to fade the game altogether, or, of course, stacking with Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, he he is, um, if we're talking about the players that have been on the field all year, at least as far as their pass catchers, he's really the only one. He has the uh, unique aspect this week. You mentioned that the tight end slate is very weak, and because of that, a lot of people are going to naturally pay down at tight end. A lot of the uh, best values are the pay down options. So you will get some salary uh, contrarian roster construction leverage from playing Gerald Everett up at 4,800 on DK 5,800 on FanDuel. We haven't talked about it much in this podcast Sunday morning. We'll talk about it, but I think being very conscious of flipping the build this week could end up being really important. Agree. Uh, I mentioned all of those, uh, those tight ends in like the five to six K range on FanDuel, three to four K range on DraftKings. And there's quite a few to choose from. We've already talked about the Jaguars a ton. Uh, I think Evan Ingram is uh, almost as mispriced at tight end as Travis Etienne is at running back. Over the last month, Evan Ingram is second among tight ends in targets per game, six among tight ends in target share third among tight ends in air yards per game and fourth in expected fantasy points. I mentioned those three K tight ends, um, Dawson Knox, uh, Hayden Hurst, Robert Tanyan, all they're all going to kind of cannibalize each other's uh, ownership, I think. So I don't think any of them get super popular. And for Evan Ingram's uh, sake, I, I hope that is the case because I really like the idea of playing him, whether I'm um, playing Lawrence or not, even mini stacks in this game. I like the idea of mini stacking him. He probably ends up being my cash game tight end. We already talked about the Raiders being uh, struggling as every single position in terms of schedule adjusted points allowed. They're 31st in pass uh, EPA per play allowed. So uh, we've talked about the Jaguars quite a few times, but should be obvious that's a really good spot. Ingram falls into that as well. Ingram is the top tight end in my pool. I will probably have him highest rostered among this week's options. Um, tell me why my Kyler prediction is going to fail and why the Seahawks defense is going to win. Well, I already did so, but Seahawks are very cheap on DraftKings 2,500. They correlate with Ken Walker if you want to go that way. Uh, and then as I mentioned earlier, their, their last three games in particular have been quite well. I still have, gosh, I still just have so many questions about the Cardinals offense. Can't even say they've, they've scored 34 points in their last two games because, you know, two of those were pick sixes against um, Andy Dalton. And then last week, for as much credit as we gave Kling Kingsbury against the Saints on Thursday night two weeks ago, last week, DeAndre Hopkins goes right back to playing 67 of his 76 snaps from the left boundary. It's like it's the same play over and over again. So I don't know. Like I I'm willing if you want to pay down for cheap. My favorite cheap defense is Seahawks. I don't know if it comes to fruition, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, we don't have um, at least on DraftKings where we we really need these pump plays. Tougher. We don't have we don't have obvious pump plays on the slate. Like we have a lot of like lower salary values at running backs, but we don't have true punts. So we are still going to need to save some salary. Paying down defense is what one of the best ways to do that. Even though I I like the Cardinals, I mean we're still on. We we said at the beginning like there's not like outside of the Bills like an obvious smash spot on the slate and wide range of outcomes is um it's a good thing for dfs but also means uh your your pick could really flop so we've talked about this multiple times on on uh this podcast and if you are paying close attention to the, our write-ups 
you know, sometimes we will have a defense in our player pool in the same game as offense we're high on. Obviously, we're not playing them together, but that fits into that wide range of outcomes. So I'm definitely not against having the Seahawks in my pool, especially um, in a week where there just aren't obvious pay down options. Uh, I think the one spot that is pretty egregiously priced is the Buccaneers on DraftKings. They're up at 4700 on FanDuel, but it's easier to, to swallow that higher salary on FanDuel. At 3K on DraftKings versus the Rams as uh, one-and-a-half-point favorites. They open as three, still one-and-a-half-point favorites uh, with the Rams having an implied point total of just 20 points. Uh, that that seems like a, one that's going to stand out quite a bit. Does it get super popular? I'm not sure, but one of two favorites on DraftKings priced at or below $3,000. The Buccaneers are second in adjusted sack rate. Uh, the Rams 23rd in adjusted sack rate allowed, and the Rams are allowing the second most schedule adjusted points to defenses. So, uh, Bucks, if you need salary saver and cash, that's probably going to be the obvious one. If they end up being, you know, 20%, 25% in, in tournaments, or if we think that's going to be the case, maybe you want to stay away from that, but uh, probably the cash game lock for me. This is actually my favorite defense, but when I went to the document to put them in, you took it already as well. So <laughs> I agree with Bucks. Nice. Um, if you guys want to get caught up on all of our thoughts, uh, expanding here, expanding on our articles on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning at 1045 AM in the 444 Discord, uh, make sure you're signed up for the DFS sub. Hop in there if you haven't signed up for the DFS subscription yet and you missed our Halloween sale. It is uh, still half off. So now $49 for the rest of the season down from $99. If you still haven't signed up for an underdog account, you want to run, run back those picks that we talked about at the beginning of the show, go to 444.com slash underdog and use the promo code 444 when you sign up for a new underdog account to get that free DFS up, to get access to the Discord show and to get a 100 deposit match up to $100. If you are listening to the audio version of this, please give us a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to it on. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video, please subscribe to our channel. And if you want to follow us outside of those avenues, you can do so on Twitter. Daigle is at not J Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez. 444 is at 444 football. We'll talk to you guys Sunday morning.